This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, everybody. I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and welcome back to another episode of Tennessee Talks. In honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, today I'm joined by my friend of, we just said, 30-plus years. Sure. Makes me feel old. Uh, ben Harrington, he's CEO of the Mental Health Association of East Tennessee. And it's okay if I call you Ben. Yes, sir. Right. Ben, that's what I call him. Ben advocates uh, at the local, state, and national policy levels and chaired on numerous boards. After years of advocating at the state level, Tennessee opened six new crisis stabilization units to divert, to divert patients from unnecessary hospitalization to community-based care. With the leadership of Ben, the Mental Health Association East Tennesseeers received multiple awards, including the American Psychiatric Association Psychiatric Achievement Award for Mental Health. And Ben, it's great to have you here, and thanks for coming on the show. Um, we'll get right into some questions, if that's all right. Sure. Um, uh, mental health is always, is, it's been an issue that I, you know, as you know, I've been very concerned about. I have a close friend who suffers from periodically, and then um, as I've spoke, it's it's amazing how many groups I speak to whenever I bring up mental health, and I don't care if it's um, I don't care uh, the racial spectrum or the financial spectrum or the political spectrum. Without a doubt, somebody will always come up to me after the meeting, and they'll and I know what they're going to say, and you know what they're going to say. They say I have a child, or a husband, or a son, or a daughter, or aunt, or uncle that suffers. Um, and, uh, and, and, and to me, I always say the same thing, you know, you, you cut your hand, you don't think about anything about going to the, to the emergency room, right. but something in your head, it's, uh, you know, the stigma. And I think we're getting past that, but I think we still have a long ways to go. We, we do. Um, things are dramatically improved. Uh, you know, the uh, advent of social media has helped because people can be much more current in discussing their own issues. Uh, and uh, we get both sides of uh, the story much more quickly through social media versus just what you see in a horror movie or something like yeah. that. You get the stigmatized version. Yeah. I'm, and I'm always... Um you know, everybody thinks they're going to be locked up in some rubber room somewhere, and that's just not the case. It's uh, usually it's um, it's an outpatient situation, or, or they just go to counseling. They're sitting in a room like you and I are just talking. Right. And um, you know, and I know with with my friend, occasionally he'll call me, and in the hasn't lately, but in the past he will say things that are maybe just out of the realm of reality. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'll. Kind of said, well, brother, why don't you, um, have you, have you talked to your counselor about this? And he said, you think I need to? And I say, yeah. I said, that might be a good, a good idea. And then they do. And then he'll call me back. And right. after, usually it's, um, and, it, and it's adjust the medicine and it's a type situation right. where it's uh, usually just a minor tweak. And, but you know, he lives a productive life. He, yeah. um, he owns his own home, has a good job good relationship, he's in a healthy situation. But, but so many of these folks, Ben, as you know, they, um, they get out and, um, and through the, whatever the bureaucracy of the government or what have you, they just get, they get skipped over. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, the public perception of mental illness is that people are uh, going to be violent, scary, and dangerous, and you don't want to be around someone with a mental health condition. Correct. But the reality is, that in our 
area, your congressional district, there are close to 500,000 people who have a mental health treatment need. And it's not the lead story on WBIR today or the uh, top of the fold story in the new Sentinel. So it tells you they're not all violent, scary, and dangerous. No. They're acclimated in the community. They are our coworkers, they're our family members. They go to our churches with us. Yeah. Um, you know, in your organization, the Mental Health Association, what, tell me what, give me a kind of a brief overview of what you do there. Yeah, so this is the 30-second elevator speech. We, we provide early intervention and client services uh, to persons uh, throughout our service territory, which is from Chattanooga through the Knoxville area to the Tri-Cities area. So we're serving young people in schools. We're serving uh, people who work at various employers across our region, and we're providing essential client services to help folks identify their treatment need and then stay engaged in treatment. Can young folks, is there a, um, can they go, or are we down to the level of where we can, in like a high school, mm -hmm. a kid can go to his guidance counselor and say, hey, I've got this issue. Do they do that, or are they allowed to do that, or how does that work? Uh, we're doing much more of that now. Um, it used to be that there were no clinical mental health services in a school, but that's that's changed dramatically. Is that because the stigma, we've removed the stigma, or just you've educated folks at that level? We've educated folks at that level that they need to, uh, first of all, seek treatment, and then we've educated the community that we need to make sure we uh, co-locate those services in schools, because if someone actually has to leave the school building to go to a, a medical appointment, they might not come back, or they yeah. may not get to that appointment. So if you have the clinician working in the back of the guidance office, that, that child can see a, a therapist that right. day rather than have to wait weeks to get in. What are the, what are the major stigmas that you've seen um, with, with some of the, especially with our young folks? Well, I, I think the biggest issue uh, is that folks are afraid of what others might think of them. Uh, for seeking help. But you know what's interesting is once they start to share that they've sought help, then everyone's got their back. And so um, we find it's easy to talk about mental health in schools and talk about the, the, the uh, symptoms that folks can recognize and the need to act. And that actually prompts young people to uh, have their friends' backs and, and try to help guide them into the help that they need because no one wants their friend to have let it gone too far and then they have attempted suicide or yeah. worse. Or unfortunately they're successful yes. at suicide. Um, what can the state or the federal government, what can we do better than what we're doing now? Well, I, I think it's always important to recognize that mental health is still trying to catch up with physical health. And, you know, so for years we've been behind the ball in terms of, you know, are we funding it correctly, that sort of thing. Probably the biggest issue on our radar screen moving forward is we have a huge behavioral health workforce shortage. And that means not enough people have gone into those professions or have even considered those professions. And there are reasons for that. Insurance has not paid well. So folks have thought, well, why should I do that if I'm not going to uh, be paid well? But we have to do more to incentivize people to go into the professions. We have to do more to um, uh, help folks um, 
eradicate student loan debt so they can get into the field and not uh, be worried about that. You know, the average nurse shows up with $50,000 of, of student loan debt. The average social worker has $50,000 of student loan yeah. debt. The average so social worker is not going to make anywhere near what the average nurse makes, correct? Oh, no, no. But there are programs for a physician to have $100,000 of graduate student loan debt just wiped off the table. Wiped off the table. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're really going to be serious about helping alleviate the shortage, we're going to do more to promote the pipeline. We're going to do more to support folks in the pipeline who want to get into practice and we're going to make it so that the McNabs of the world can hire someone and keep them rather than they just end up going to work out in the private sector. Right, right, because they um, they don't go work in their own majors. I yeah. mean, yeah, because when they get out they realize, I can't, I can't survive. Well, you know, it, it's scary to pull up to the uh, Panda Express drive-through and you see the sign and it clearly says the store manager can earn $60,000. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that's not what a lot of people in the behavioral health field are, are earning. Earning, correct. Yeah, but yet they're the folks that are entrusted to save the lives of our friends and family. So right. we need to do some things there to try to um, help us be able to provide those services and have talented people that are going to be able to help yeah. our neighbors. I, I know my own brother, he, um, my brother Charlie, he um, went back to school. He, he did some work at the, um, uh, what's the, the group? Um, uh, they they uh, work with the children in the inner city over here off of, uh, off of Central. Um, Boys and Girls Club? No, um, doggone it. Emerald? Emerald. He volunteered over there. Yeah. And, um, Thank you for reminding me. I, I just drew a blank. I've been over there a thousand times, and the director's a good friend of mine. But he went over there and volunteered, you know, with the kids and stuff. And and um, I guess the bug bit him, and he went mm -hmm. back to school two years and got a degree in counseling. And now right. he's he's in a school setting doing that himself now. And mm -hmm. um, and I know that if he hadn't. If he'd been a younger person, there's no way he could have been able to do that because, right. you know, he, he's more established now and, and dual income and all that. But, but still, I mean, you, you still have to survive. Right. And, and the key to uh, resiliency for young people who've, you know, experienced all sorts of trauma in their lives, that sort of thing, the key is a uh, healthy adult role model that is going to you know, work with them and, and guide them. If they don't have that role model, then they're just gonna perpetuate the, the cycle of, of uh, folks getting involved in, yep. in, in the justice system, that sort of thing. Yeah, that leads to my last and final question, but my most important one, if you had one piece of advice to someone dealing with a mental health issue, what would it be? Do not be afraid to ask for help. There are lots of resources around, but the, the primary barrier is a lot of folks just won't pick up the phone. Yeah, you know, we get calls dealing with that too, and we, we uh, people in my office are very good about that. Yeah. Uh, they know I, that's one of my passions is folks with mental illness, and that they um, they know to make the referrals and to take those in calls seriously. But I, not in my notes, but I remember during COVID, I always tell people that. Um, you know, God speaks to me, just not in an audible voice, but you know, something pops in my head and um, 
I remember it was late at night, it was during COVID, and I sat up in bed, and I remember thinking that, you know, I heard on the news that people, some people had taken their life over COVID because they were just a depression of, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, it just came out of nowhere, and everybody was locked down, and, and, I, and I gave myself, I, I, in the middle of the night, and I remember t I told my wife that, and, you know, and she's, um, sh she's very conditioned to my in my ways, and she said, all right, honey, if you, that's what you need to do, you do it. And I gave my cell phone number out, and Ben, we received calls from all over, the United, actually outside of the continental United States. Mm -hmm. Some of them were just checking to see if Tim Burchett would answer the phone, right. which he did, but the others were literally people, I mean, they were just beside themselves. And I mean, literally, I remember one girl, I said, ma'am, I, she said, I'm afraid to walk outside because of this virus. And, you know, and I, I said, ma'am, I said, I, I think she was in New Jersey. And I said, and I asked her where she was. And I, you know, of course I figured it'd be cold, but it wasn't. I said, just walk outside, just walk outside. Mm -hmm. And she walked outside and she said, and, and, and the sun was shining. And for some reason, I'm not sure, but we were able to get her some help, and right. we and we had and we had several calls back. Um, people would call us and say, "I can't get a hold of somebody," mm -hmm. and literally, we um, I, I'm convinced that we saved people's lives because yeah. somebody picked up the phone and answered. Now, I'm not I'm not a counselor, and I never tried to counsel anybody. I know right. better than that, but I got them in touch with people in their area, and it was all over the the United States, and it yeah. it just. It's it's just it was just neighbors, you know, people, you know, and 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 I think we kind of missed the boat on that. Maybe in maybe in in government and in healthcare, we look at all the big picture. You know, we're focused on getting on CNN, focused on getting on Fox, getting you know, getting this message out, but we forget our core job, which is what you do, right? And it, it's what really is is at the heart of what we're supposed to do as public servants. And I think yeah. we missed that a lot. Well, actually, uh, you know, COVID, you know, it had its impact, but the the sidebar impact, almost on a parallel track, was mental health problems surged in a big way. But at the same time, there was another track, and it was the mental health system responded, and you know, all of the folks that answer telephones, like the the McNabb Center. Uh, ladies at their front desk, oh, yeah. their call volume surged, our call volume surged, other places call volume surged. We have a free mental health screening program. Before COVID, we screened 3,000 people a year. Mm. We now screen over 15,000 people a year. And what that demonstrates is COVID did have that negative impact on uh, anxiety at the local level, at the individual level, depression in adults and in children. And now, because of the influence of uh, Congress and funding additional uh, programs and services, it's allowed folks to be able to respond to that huge demand for need. Uh, to get care, and that's kind of the the secret of the pandemic. Yeah, we know all about the pandemic and the grocery stores being yeah. wiped out, but it, the mental health system rose to the occasion, and we're still dealing with that huge demand uh, for care, and we're going to for a long time, and that's why that behavioral health workforce shortage is something we've got to pay particular attention to figuring out and how do we solve that dilemma down the road.
All right. Well, here's the worst part of this show that I don't like. Uh, I get to ask you, to, you can ask me anything you want, but of course you always, you know, I can edit it out. So, but feel free to ask me anything you want, Ben, since you have known me since my college days. Yeah. So I, I guess the uh, question I would want to ask you is how can we as constituents uh, get more congressional support for the mental health needs in our communities? That's a great question and I have a very simple answer. We need to put a, a face with it. Mm -hmm. um, when people call, you know, I deal, I, I, one of the issues I got early on was with, uh, with fentanyl, was coming in over the border and still is. I think we've mm -hmm. seized enough to kill this country five times over. But I presented some legislation because I wanted the conversation to start. And it, I never got a chance even at a hearing on the bill, but I got a call from a man from South Carolina and he said, my son um, was, uh, had ADD and so he was on Adderall. And these are all new things since I was in college. Adderall, Adderall is very common now, but when I was in school, I never even heard of it. Yeah. And, um, and he said his prescription had run out. So his buddy was also suffering from ADD, so he gave him an Adderall. But what the kid didn't know was it was a bootleg Adderall. <clears throat> it, had been, <clears throat> it had been crushed out, they'd made it, you mm -hmm. know, and they used fentanyl in it. And they found the kid dead. Yeah. And they found him with the pill in his mouth. He just bit into it. It wasn't even a capsule. Right. It was a, literally a solid pill, and it was that strong. Right. Killed him just like that. And the father was telling me he hoped that I could move ahead. We can talk more about it. And uh, but I always think of that kid mm -hmm. when I do that. And I and I when I talk about mental health, as, as I've said before, we on I think about my buddy who's um, who, who who struggles with it right. every dadgum day. And um, and those are the things I think people, legislators need to understand stories of people in their own constituency mm -hmm. because it's it's not a it's not a sexy issue. You know, right. you're not gonna I used to I used to joke when I would um, I received several awards when I was in D in Nashville dealing with from the mental health community and I would joke and I would say, you know, there's Democrats aren't gonna fool with it and the Republicans aren't gonna fool right. with it. And I said I and they called me their patron saint of mental health or something, I don't know. Yeah. And they and I always joke about the chicken dinners they'd throw for me and they would and they'd give me a nice plaque and I'd say, Save your dad got money because we don't fund you enough. And yeah. um, and I, I but the reason it affects me is because it affected a good friend of mine and it still does. And then yeah. when I would speak about it just, I mean, the percentages, it was, uh, I think, one in five Tennesseans at the time, maybe more than that it's now. It's two in five now. Okay, yeah, and that which tells me if you don't know somebody, somebody's not telling you that. If right. it doesn't affect you personally, somebody in your family or somebody in your immediate um, circle, mm -hmm. unless you live in a cave. Yeah. And then um, if you live in a cave, there's probably, <laughs> you probably need some help. But True. anyway, it goes back to that. And I would say if you can just put a name and a face with it when you talk to legislators, mm -hmm. that that's the key. That is the key to it. Your, your story of the uh, person whose child got bootleg medication actually speaks to one of the areas of, of concern moving forward as we look for ways to have efficiencies and save money. And you know, folks said, well, well, why don't we import from Canada or Europe these medications? Well, that's one of the reasons why we have some regulatory controls on the yeah. manufacturing so we can make sure that they're pure and that they're not bootlegged or adulterated in, in a negative way that's gonna be harmful. 
Yep, and 100%. I don't, and I don't know, um, it's an easy thing to say, let's go up to Canada and buy our drugs, but when they're not, we don't have the uh, um, regulation and the, and, the, and the regulatory body that's overseeing that, it, um, you can see greed takes effect. It's like going to uh, the, the Weigel's or, or the Kenjo Market and, and getting sushi from there. and. Yeah, how do you know it's it's so good? And healthy, yeah, I'm not right? sure about gas station sushi. I'm not sure about we call that bait. My wife and daughter they eat it like crazy, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, they know they everything comes that comes in contact with my mouth is going to be fried. Right. So, right. but anyway, well, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Um, as I've stated, mental health needs to be at the top of our priority list, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, as the Bible talks about the least amongst us. Dadgummit, if there's not a least amongst us uh, with the mental health community, then you don't, you don't know what you're talking about, I would say. But, um, and I want to thank you so much for being here with us. And, um, and I'm Congressman Tim Birch, and I want to thank you all for listening and watching another episode of Tennessee Talks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following Rep. Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.